and uh, I'm just so thankful for it. I'm so I'm so grateful for it. Um, you know, I, we believe that God is not done by any means, and uh, we believe that you know the best days are still to come, and uh, for the church, and for you guys, and for all of us, and uh, you know, so good things are happening. Uh, let's go ahead, really quick. I have one, two, one or two. I don't know. Probably one announcement to make. Uh, but first, before I do that, let's go ahead and put our mission statement up, and we'll say it together. We are living a passionate mission to love, grow, and go for the greater glory of God. Yeah. And so we're so excited about what God still has in store for us, that wonderful things are happening. We had a wonderful camp. We also have a women's retreat coming up in October. So October 16th and 17th, and uh, it's 90 bucks. And that includes all your meals, and it's going to be a great time. And we had uh, a lot of great ladies go last year, and we're really super blessed. And so y'all are going back to Menno Haven, again, one of our favorite places. And so it's 90 bucks, $25 deposit will hold your spot. And so you can see Wendy. Uh, you can go to the website, findmercy.org, and you'll see the announcement there. And there's a link out to the registration form. It'll be awesome. Yeah. So everybody doing all right? Everybody's awfully social distant today. Uh, we have got a team in Haiti, and so they are down there right now. Uh, and they've been there for three days, and they're still waiting for their luggage. So uh, say a prayer for them. They're waiting for, uh, it was like eight out of ten bags have not arrived yet. Six out of eight bags, okay, have not arrived yet. So uh, say a prayer for them. I'm, I'm sure they're still having a great time. But uh, in case we haven't met, I'm Lee. I'm the lead pastor here at Mercy Vineyard Church. And so if you're joining us online today, hey, y'all are joining us here. So good to see your faces. It's kind of quiet in here. So I think we had the trifecta. We had the pandemic. We have a summer vacation. And then we just have, I don't know, but um, <laughs> we have a small crowd here today. But I'm so glad that you're here. What we're doing is we are continuing our series on the book of 2 Corinthians. And so what we've been doing is every Sunday we have, we're grabbing a passage, we're grabbing a section of a chapter in the book of 2 Corinthians, and we're going through it together. And so hopefully you're reading along at home and you're reading 2 Corinthians on your own. Last week we talked about the power of forgiving others and how it's powerful. I mean, when we forgive others, uh, it, it, it loosens chains, it defeats the enemy's plans. You know, I mean... The go-to weapon of the devil is offense. And that's like the go-to. You know how everybody's kind of got their go-to move? That's his go-to move. It's offense. And so when we choose not to let offense hinder us, and when we forgive and we release, it defeats the enemy's plans. And so uh, as we're moving on in, in, uh, here, Paul uses this metaphor in this chapter that we're doing today, chapter 3. Paul uses a metaphor for describing the Corinthian church, right? So if remember, 2 Corinthians, it's all about addressing issues that people had with Paul's first letter. So Paul wrote 1 Corinthians. People had some issues with it. Paul is addressing them. And uh, Paul's addressing the issues in 1 Corinthians, and now he speaks to the church, and he's saying, you know, look, you are the letter. Isn't that interesting? So Paul writes 1 Corinthians, 
people kind of blah, 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 blah about 1 Corinthians, you know, the people from the church, they kind of complain, they push back against Paul, and Paul goes, no, look, you're pushing back against the letter, but you are that letter. Sounds a lot like what we have today, right? Where people are like, well, if the church would just do this, and the church would just do that, and the church is this is wrong with the church, and the church does this wrong, and the church, the people, you know, complain. And, and, and what do we usually say? Well, you're the church, right? Dan's got a t-shirt on today. It says, I am the church. I love that. I love that because I think more people need to be able to stand up and recognize that. Hey, I'm the church. And so Paul is saying, look, you are the letter. And, and he, he obviously, he's not using a random metaphor here. He didn't just kind of pull that out of the air on the letter. I believe that he used these words very intentionally, and it was in response to their criticism. And so when I read his words, uh, it makes me think about, you know, the kind of letter that I am. What kind of letter am I? And uh, I wonder what kind of message that I, I give off. I remember way back in junior high, I don't know, is it like 50 years ago? Uh, I'm not 50 years old, but it feels like 50 years ago. <laughs> I was out, I was out camping. And I remember I was in Michigan, I was in the UP, and I was camping with my dad, and uh, I have a buddy of his, and his buddy had two sons, my dad had two sons, and so the four boys were kind of just hanging out, right? And so we're hanging out, we're waiting for my dad to cook some dinner over the fire, and we're, we're doing what boys do. We're just cutting up, we're joking around, right? And so my brother decides, in the midst of all this joking around, my older brother, that he's going to take two Cheetos and he's going to stuff them way up his nose. And so we're all laughing, you know, and he sticks Cheetos up his nose, and we just think it's hilarious, right? He's got these two long orange Cheetos hanging out of his nose. And, and, and so we're just laughing because that's what boys do, right? Anybody here, if you've ever raised boys, you know, they laugh at weird stuff. And so uh, he's got Cheetos hanging out of his nose. And this other guy, who's just maybe a year younger than me, two years younger than me, he thought it was hilarious. His name was Christopher. And uh, Christopher, did, he couldn't even say, my brother's name is Trevor. He couldn't say Trevor's name right. He always called him Treasure. He's like, hey, Treasure! You know, and he's like laughing. He's like, Treasure, I want to be like Treasure. So he takes two Cheetos and he sticks them way up his nose. And almost instantly, blood just starts coming out of his nose. And they're just running down. The, and it was one of the worst nosebleeds I have ever, ever seen. And there's just blood pour, coming down the Cheetos, pouring down his nose. And uh, the, the, the letter that my brother was writing in that moment was, if you stick a couple Cheetos up your nose, you get a good laugh right? He didn't mean to write a letter. He didn't mean to influence poor Christopher <laughs> as he, you know, had blood pouring out of his nose. And so uh, the result was this poor kid, he must have cried and wailed for a good 15 minutes. He's crying. He's wailing. He's in terror. He's probably never seen that much blood come out of his own body. My dad, of course, comes along, you know, what happened? You know, and my brother is probably waiting for a backhand. And, uh, but, you know, he didn't mean to be the left. But you know what? My brother was just having fun. 
And, uh, and I laughed just as hard at both of them, because <laughs> you know, that's the kind of kid I was. But uh, I laughed and laughed and laughed. But in that instance, my brother was writing a letter, and Christopher was responding to it, responding to it right? And I'm sure that there's a lot of moments in your life that you discovered that your words or your actions had an influence over somebody else. And just like my brother's actions had an influence over poor Christopher, who eventually got the Cheetos dislodged and the nose bleed to stop. But our actions influence other people. Have you ever done this? Have you ever found yourself complaining to somebody at work and then later on you heard that person uh, venting those same complaints to somebody else, right? Or maybe, uh, maybe you heard one of your kids using a word that you don't want them to use, but they probably heard you say it first, right? The letter of your life. Maybe your attitude or your mood either elevated or lowered the mood in the room when you went in that room, you know? You know how some people can just kind of suck the air out of the room? Everybody is okay, and then they do something awkward, or they're grumpy, or they're in a bad mood, and like, it's just awkward. Everybody just, you know. And uh, I remember uh, that happening lots of times with various people in my life, including me. And so I'm sure that there's a lot of moments in your life when you've discovered that your words or your actions had influence over someone else. And so I want to talk about that today. And so what does 2 Corinthians chapter 3 have to say about this, about being a letter, about, about being the temperature? Remember, we talk about this a lot in this church, that we are not thermostats, or we are not thermometers, we're thermostats, that leaders are thermostats, right? And so I want to talk about what 2 Corinthians chapter 3 has to say about that. We're going to talk about that first real quick. Let's pray. God, we love you, we praise you, and we thank you for your goodness. We ask, God, that your word would come alive in us today. Your word would come alive in us today. And Lord, we pray, Lord, for change in us. God, for you to have your way with us. We love you. Thank you that none of us have stuffed Cheetos up our nose and given ourselves nosebleeds. In Jesus' name, amen. Some have done even dumber things than that. So, (laughs) but we're going to start off we're by reading a Second Corinthians chapter three, verses two and three, and here Paul says this: "You are the letter. You are written on our hearts. You are known and read by all men. You are as a letter from Christ written by us. You are not written as other letters are written with ink, or in pieces of stone. You are written in human hearts by the Spirit of the Living God." I apologize. I know our versions are a little off. So I think I might have have made a mistake and put the wrong version in my notes. So you just have to bear with me. And we're going to jump down to verses 17 and 18. It says, The heart is free where the Spirit of the Lord is. The Lord is Spirit. All of us, with no covering on our faces, show the shining greatness of the Lord as in a mirror. All the time we are being changed to look like Him with more and more of His shining greatness. This change is from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Wow, okay. So what we have here is this beautiful picture of God's work in our life. This is what Paul is talking about here, all right? And, and how that work is a powerful message to the people around us. That's why, you know, we always want God to be at work in us. We always want to be submitted to the Lord, to have his way with us and work in us. 
because it's a powerful message to the people around us. So if you remember one thing this morning, remember this, please. Be careful how you live. You may be the only Bible some person ever reads. Be careful how you live. You may be the only Bible some people read. Right? That's not my quote. That's actually uh, written by a guy named William Toms a long, long, long time ago, but it is so, 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 so true. That as believers, it's important that we are careful how we live, that we're not careless about our example to others. You know, unfortunately, we have this culture that is always saying what? Don't tell me how to live. I'll do what I want. Right? Well, even Christians say that, and what they don't understand is they are being a bad version of the scripture, right? They are being a bad message for others to follow. And so uh, uh, it's so true. And so those that we wish to reach for the kingdom are, are mostly unlikely to just pick up a Bible and start reading it, right? We all have neighbors, we all have relatives, we all have family, we all have people in our lives that we want to reach for the kingdom, that we really want to come to know the Lord. And they're not likely to just go, I'm just going to start searching the word. You are the word. You are the word to them. And so we have to be careful about the kind of message that we give. And so they probably don't have people in their lives that are sharing Jesus with them. And, and most people come into the kingdom because there's someone in their lives that is living like they believe the Bible. Because there's somewhere, someone in their lives that's living it out, that's living like they believe it, that's letting God change them, and it is speaking a message to them, right? Almost every person that I have had the honor of leading one-on-one -on -one to the Lord have said the same thing. You're different, right? Almost everyone has said, hey, you're different. There's something different about you. There's something different. And so our lives will either draw people by, to Jesus by the example we set forth, or repel them, right? Because, hey, isn't everybody turned off when they're like, they say they're a Christian, but they sure aren't living it. And you know what? You don't need, like, the Holy Spirit's to discern, discernment to see that. Because non-Christians will see that, right? Non-Christians will go, they say they're a Christian, but they sure not living it. And so, uh, be careful how you live, because you may be the only Bible some person ever reads. So we're going to flesh this out with a couple of questions. I just want to flesh this out with a couple of questions this morning. And the first question is this. If my life were a letter, what would it say? If you kind of think about your life right now, think about your day-to-day, -day. think about how you spend your minutes, your hours, your day, what would it say? Is, is your life a message of frustration? Is your life a message of stagnation? Is your life, maybe your life is, is, you know, kind of a message of drudgery, all right? And drudgery and consuming. For some reason, those two things usually go together. I don't understand that. You'd think that if you're an avid consumer that maybe your life would be more exciting. But most people that I know who consume a lot, they have kind of boring drudgery kind of lives. But is that, you know, what would, you know, would your, it be a letter uh, of trust? Would it be a letter of innocence? Would it be a letter of joy? What would the letter, you know, if somebody wrote your biography today, what message would that biography give? That's a kind of a deep, heavy question. Would it be a letter that says, I'm not perfect, but I'm a work in progress, right? Um, a lot of times the message that believers portray is one that actually repels others from the kingdom. 
right? And we, you know, we all have seen news articles about, you know, the church that, that uh, you know, pickets gay weddings and things like that. What a horrible message. What an actual horrible message, you know? Um, but, you know, some people's message, their, the message that they portray is of, of pettiness, right? Of bondage. You know, we all, we all hear about people who leave a church out of petty reasons, right? Oh, I left because, you know, the pastor walked right past me and didn't say anything. You know, or I left because they wouldn't, you know, they didn't recognize my talent. You know, they say things like that. And I think, what, a, what kind of message does that portray to the unbelieving world? What kind of message does that portray to your neighbor, Right? Good luck getting your neighbor into church when all you do is complain about church, you know. You've got to be able to put two and two together there, right? And so, um, you know, is it that kind of message? Is it a message of bitterness? You know, these attributes tell a story of an unredeemed life. And think about that. When the message of your life is one of bitterness and bondage, that's not a picture of redemption. And so uh, that's not one that's directed by God's Spirit. It says in verse 18, it says, all the time, we are being changed to look like him. Everybody say, all the time. All the time, we are being changed to look like him. So our message isn't one of perfection, you know, uh, and, and you know, that it's not, it's not a message of perfection that shows up God's greatness. It's not. It's not a message of perfection. Um, it's a message of continual change. I'm just, I'm changing. You know, I may not be who I want to be, right? But thank God I'm not who I was. And so uh, it's one of perpetual change, becoming more like Jesus. We live for him week after week, year after year. You know, that's the one thing that we have to understand that God's change is something that is continually worked out in us, right? Sanctification is what? It's what God has already done on the inside being worked out on the outside. And so that's what it means to be sanctified. And so it's a process, and it happens. And so I always say, you know, as believers, and a mentor of mine used to say, you need to be scared to death of dullness. You need to be scared to death of those seasons in your life where you're not growing, where you're just sort of stagnant, where, you know, where just kind of nothing's happened, you're dull, or it's dull, or you're you're bored, you know, that uh, we need to always be allowing God to shape us. And so... It, he's all the time, we're being changed to look like him. It's not a message of perfection, okay? It's continual change, becoming more like Jesus. And it's, it's, it's a long haul. It's a, it's a long haul thing, right? Y'all know you don't change overnight, right? Yeah, <laughs> you know? But change happens like this. A few years down the line, you look back and you go, hey, I'm different, you know? Hey, I just responded to something in a way that in the past would have made me angry, or I responded to something in a way where in the past I may have complained, or I just responded to something completely different, we realize over the long haul that we've changed. So change happens over the long haul. And so that leads me to the next question. And this is so important. Is my life a picture of freedom? This is, this is I mean, this is, you know, this is a big one. <laughs> Showing the shining greatness of the Lord. Is my life a picture of freedom? Does my life tell the story that Jesus has set and is setting me free? Or am I bound by, by vice? You know, something, it's, it's so important that we understand this idea of vice, this idea of, 
of addiction, this idea I'm kind of I'm bound to this thing because we should be bound to nothing but Jesus, right? Jesus' offer to us has been and always will be freedom. It's freedom. And so uh, we live in this world where there's a thousand vices. I mean, I, it, I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Uh, maybe, I, I, maybe I'm feeling old. But how many of you would, might think, yeah, it seemed like 20 years ago there was less vices? I mean, okay. I would say that. I mean, I, you know, just from observation, I'm almost 50. And it seems like there were less vices 20 years ago. Now we have, you, you know, vaping, alcohol, porn, drugs, internet, social media has become a vice for a lot of people. I mean, you know, and Jesus is saying, hey, you should be free from all that. Jesus came so that we would be free, not so that we would take on vices, but so that we would walk in freedom. Why? Because freedom tells a letter, right? Freedom gives a message. Don't you ever see people who just seem so free and you're like, I want to be like that. I want to be like that. Oh my goodness. When I hear testimonies from people about the kind of freedom that they live in, and I go, ah, oh, I want to be more free. And so uh, our, our letter of freedom is a picture of Jesus. So am I free or am I bound by vices? And so we even see, you know, these days we see children, just small children, and they're going into like, video game rehab. Have y'all heard of that? They send them to a camp to like, you know, set them free from cell phone addiction? I, what, what in the world? You know, so now we have vice even for small children. And so uh, is my life a picture of freedom? That's such an important picture or a question to ask yourself. You know, is my life a picture of freedom? And so bondage was never God's plan for you. Bondage was never God's plan for you. In fact, according to verse 17, it says this, right? In verse 17, the sign that Christ's spirit is at work in you is that there's freedom. So what's the evidence that God is at work in you? <laughs> that was so weak. What's the evidence that God is at work in you? Freedom, exactly. So is God at work in me? Then I'm growing in freedom. And so that's the, the irony with God, is the, the, big, the big, strange, you know, uh, uh, unintuitive thing is that as we surrender to him, we experience greater freedom, right? It's, it's, it's through surrender comes freedom. Isn't that crazy how God just kind of works the opposite than what we think? And so uh, with surrender comes freedom. So we surrender those things to God. You know, how often do we go, God, I need to surrender my Facebook account to you. God, I need to surrender my vape to you. God, I need to surrender my uh, drinking to you. I need to surrender. You know, we just need to kind of surrender and say, okay, God, I want my life to be a picture of freedom. That's so important. And I'm not condemning anybody who does those things. I'm just saying, hey, is your life a picture of freedom? And I hope that you are wrestling with that with God. Okay, and uh, becoming more and more surrendered. So um, God's plan for you is freedom, not bondage, but freedom. Is the letter of my life a letter of freedom to those around me? And so the last thing is this. This is really important, and that's who. Who is writing the letter of my life? Who's writing the letter of my life? Now look, I, I'm all about like taking control of your life in a good way, right? In other words, not being a victim, 
making plans, making goals, written visions. I'm all about that. I'm all about that. But at the end of the day, I want those things to be led by Christ. I want God to lead me in those things so that he is writing the letter of my life. And I hope he's writing the letter of your life too, right? Who is writing the letter of your life? This is such an important question. For some people, their closest friends or their influencers are writing the letter of their life. There was a long time where my dad was writing the letter of my life, where I was making decisions to please him, even after I was an adult. You know, I wanted to, I wanted to please him in the kind of work that I did. I wanted to please him in the kind of attitude that I had. And so sometimes it's the influences in our life that end up writing the letter of our life. Who's writing the letter of your life, okay? For some people, it's the news that's writing the story of their life. And in fact, we're kind of living in a, in a world right now where it's the news that's writing the story of their life. And, and, and you talk about you know, controlling the narrative of culture, we're seeing that in our news. You know? And so that's why it's so important once in a while just to go, you know what, I'm going dark. I, I'm, I'm kind of getting off the news. I'm not going to read. I'm not gonna, I, I'm, because the news has a way of presenting information as if it's important and our lives should hinge on it and it really isn't. And, and so uh, I don't understand. I was thinking today, I was like, wow, how many times has the news come out and said, we're sorry, we were lying? And that was just the times they were busted, right? How many times have they not been busted? Yet we still read the news and go, oh, I gotta make big life decisions based on what the news is saying, even though they're a bunch of liars. And so, you know, we, we've got to understand we don't let the news write the letter of our lives. We're Christians. We're people of the Word of God. We let Him write the letter of our lives. Not the news, not popular culture, not our dads, right? Not, you know, other influencers in our life. And how often, you know, do we end up allowing the enemy, letting the devil write the letter of our lives because we're not letting God write the letter of our lives? Okay, so. We need to invite the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, you write the letter of my life. You, you, you direct me today. You lead me today. Okay? And lead me to deeper intimacy with you. That should be a daily practice for us, right? Yeah. Is it warm in here? No? Is it no? Okay. So what I want to do today is, I just, all I want to do is, um, I just want to invite the Holy Spirit to, to write the letter of our life. And so, if, uh, Wendy, if you come, come on, come. And, um, you know, and let's just pray. Let's just pray. Why don't we all stand together? Okay. Yeah, we're going to take. We'll have the whole worship team come on up. And so, what I want to do is, I just want to take a minute to end today by inviting the Holy Spirit to write our letters, inviting the Holy Spirit to continually change us, right, into greater freedom, and, and, and allow us to walk in greater freedom, because that's the picture, that's the letter that our life should be speaking to others. And so, um, you know, if we're the only Bible that other people may read, then we want to tell that story well with our lives. 
And we want our story to be one of continual change, of growth, of freedom, of being more like Jesus. We want to be an example of freedom. And so let's just go ahead and pray together right now. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would write our letter. Write our letter, Holy Spirit. If you want to, you can just pray a prayer of surrender. Surrender to you. Holy Spirit, we surrender to you. We surrender to your work in our lives. Holy Spirit, We want to be a, a letter worth reading. We want to be a letter that draws people to Jesus. Holy Spirit, come. Come, come. We need you, Lord. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would refresh us, that you would refill us, that you would direct and guide us lives would be a picture of intimacy with the Father, that our lives would be a picture of surrender, that our lives would be uh, a picture of growing more and more to be like Jesus. We know, Lord, that you're not expecting perfection from us. Thank you so much for that. Well, we also want to experience continual growth and greater freedom in our lives. Don't let us stagnate, Lord. Lord, for your glory, for your glory, for your honor, Lord, for your fame, that we'd be people who make you famous. We love you, Lord.